You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing? You, you got some nerves? You uh, you getting ready, jacked up for game six? Or is it like expecting the worst, hoping for the best? Like, Where's where's your head at? Um, well, it's a little weird. I'm... I'm uh on the road for work right now and i'm supposed to head back home um during the day and i need to figure out actually if i'm going to be traveling during the game um oh. in which case um i don't i don't know like let me well, I, and actually we weren't sure yesterday when this game was actually going to be 7 p.m um, central 7 p.m central yeah ugh, that's kind of tough so anyway I might uh I might be like an hour hour and a half behind or so probably uh, on DVR so um you will notice me likely tomorrow during the game I will not be tweeting um, and so I'm sure everybody will survive just fine without that but uh, yeah it's gonna be a little weird to be watching uh you know a critical elimination game a true must win game uh, the first true must win game of the season um. On, uh, on on DVR, at least for part of it. So anyway, hopefully I catch up and um, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I won't be... Well, if it's bad, then I'll be fast-forwarding through, through half <laughs> half a game of badness, I guess. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, what's what's your mentality? I mean, what are you expecting? I, it's kind of weird. Like, I I don't think the Bucks are going to, like... I mean, I'm not expecting, like, like oh, yeah, the Bucks are definitely going to win. But I don't know. I feel like the Bucks should win, right? I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. Like the Celtics gave them every chance to win this last game, and uh, obviously the Bucks' offense just could not get out of its own way. So, um, with the home fans, home crowd, home energy, maybe you know Milwaukee thon, uh, maybe, maybe things turn out a little differently. Certainly, uh, I feel a lot more optimistic than than I did going into Game Five. Yeah, I guess one thing I'm just kind of thinking about was before Game Five, the Bucks had a. Uh, plus 4.4 net rating um i'm not 100 percent sure what it is after i should really look it up but like the bucks have been in, in this uh, i mean any even the games that they lost like game two you don't feel good about but i mean game game one and game five both of those i those are games that the bucks could have won they didn't win and uh obviously you, you want you would have wanted to win one of those, but largely I just feel like, well, you know, they, they lost those and and that sucks, but they're, they're kind of, they're in this series and, um, it just feels like as we've watched this series progress, like, I don't know if, I don't know if either of these teams can win a game on the road. Let's just say that. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know if the bucks can 
execute at the level that they need to win on the road. I don't know if uh, the Celtics have enough talent to win out on the road when some of their guys are missing shots or not shooting quite as well as they do in Boston. Um, And obviously last night, everyone shot poorly, but still the Celtics were able to make just slightly more plays and hit a couple more shots. So I just don't, I don't know. To me, it almost feels like this is destined for seven with the home team winning every single game in the series, because I just think that, the Bucks aren't disciplined enough to win on the road and the Celtics might not be talented enough to win on the road. And it, that's just kind of the way that, that it feels to me. And again, maybe the Bucks could not be incredibly disciplined in game six or uh, they could have some poor shooting performances or, or something like that. But that's just kind of where my head's at. And I don't know if, if that makes me uh positive as a Bucks fan or if that makes me um hopeful uh, I don't really know how that would mean I should be described but that's just kind of where my head's at right now yeah I mean the the role player thing is is probably the you know the 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 most interesting piece just because it was such a a game changer in in games three and four getting you know in particular Thon and Jabari off and um you know playing up such a higher level than they were in games one and two and obviously with Thon he basically didn't play in games one and two. So, yeah. uh, so that, that certainly, I mean, him going from truly a non-factor to, to a guy who, um, arguably turned the tide as much as anyone in, in those games, as far as just being such a, a force off the bench. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, I, you know, it was encouraging that Jabari Parker didn't, didn't turn into a pumpkin with the rest of the Bucks bench, uh, yesterday and that, you know, he continued again, maybe not, you know, it wasn't super efficient scoring, but, didn't look spooked, right? Wasn't going through the motions the way he was in games one and two and, and to a large extent sort of really over the past month of the season where he just, his head just wasn't really, you know, well, I don't know where his head was at. Um, and, and to be clear, like he still missed some defensive rotations and oh, yeah, did like yeah. typical Jabari stuff, but like it wasn't, it wasn't the guy that we saw in game one and two. Yeah. And he wasn't, you know, again, it wasn't a situation. He, he hasn't been so, you know, obviously exploitable. Um, and, uh, and, and that, that, you know, ultimately that, that's sort of one of those things, right? Is that the league now is so used to like t- finding bad defenders and exploiting them via isolation and, and putting them into actions. And with Jabari, as we've said, like, I mean, again, not that he's like some lockdown man defender, but when he's engaged, I mean, and we've seen this to some extent in the past too. I mean, he can be he can be okay like when he's kind of in one on one situations, especially when he's not trying to defend like tiny guys, right? Um, so that's 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 interesting, um, and it seemed like the the Celtics were less obsessed with just trying to go one on one with Jabari in in the last game, yeah. um, and I think that probably would have been better for them if they had had less of that like oh we gotta we gotta kill Jabari one on one mindset because again like you kill Jabari by like letting him fall asleep off the ball more um, rather than just trying to like, you know, ISO them up from mid range and, and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, again, um, Giannis coming off a game where he took so few shots, obviously, uh, will be interesting to see if how involved he is. And, um, you know, uh, let's say, I mean, again, with Giannis, you expect him to bounce back. You expect him to come through big time, especially in front of the home crowd. And uh, I think today he even mentioned his fact, you know, like he, he, he could have taken more shots. It just wasn't. They weren't his shots. He didn't want to take forced jump shots, and uh, but it seems like he is intending to uh, to 
to shoot more uh, in this next game. And um, that kind of leads me to one question, which I, and I forget if I brought it up yesterday. We did talk about the Bucks and how kind of like much they went small. I, I think that was probably was that the most they went small at all the series. They went fifty, I think, fifteen minutes. They were without a center um, in this game in the game on on Tuesday, and I believe they were plus five with Giannis at center in those minutes. So, yeah. um, you know, there weren't any like necessarily like. Well, I think there was one seventeen to five run which overlapped a little bit with Thon's minutes in the third quarter, um, and that was when he was out there with Shabazz and uh, and Jabari. Which again, like, it's so weird that that grouping could work because they're they just seem way too duplicative and not floor stretching around um, Giannis. I mean, Jabari obviously can can shoot threes. I'm not going to act like he's you know um, uh, friggin' Marshall Plumley or something out there standing at the three point arc. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but, you know, obviously Shabazz hitting a couple threes as well was unexpected, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious with all the talk about semi Ojale and, you know, the favorability from a Celtics perspective, getting him matched up one-on-one with Giannis. Um, I mean, there's one obvious sort of chess move back against the Celtics. If they go smaller with Horford at center and, and Ojale being the starting five, and that is, to put Giannis at center and to tell Brad Stevens, all right, you know, if you don't want to guard Giannis with Al Horford, then you're going to have to have Giannis or Al Horford goes guard somebody else. And that means him on the perimeter, which is, you know, not really where you want him defensively. So um, I, I think that would be kind of the obvious counter move to what we saw from uh, the Celtics going smaller. Uh, but I have extremely little, uh, hope slash expectation that the Bucks would actually do that, but then then again, Joe Prunty is you know could this is this is every game from here on out is Joe Prunty's potential last game as uh, yep. an NBA head coach. So um, you never know. I mean, interesting. We saw him start Zeller, I guess, uh, again uh, on Tuesday, but then in the third quarter they started Thon Maker, even though Thon wasn't having you know like a good game. I mean, his box score was was ugly. But they went out with Thon to start the third quarter, um, and we saw, obviously, a fair bit of small lineups uh, throughout the second half. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's in play. Um, I think if I was the head coach of the Bucks, I think that's something I would certainly consider doing. Um, I think the obvious question is, you know, what do you, what do, you do to counter that? I think, ironically, like, and, and we've talked a lot about how we don't think it's necessary to, to start Jabari Parker and for just sort of balancing and staggering there's a lot of value in in bringing Jabari off the bench. I think if ever you were going to start Jabari, I mean, you could do it in a scenario where Semi Ojale is on the court, just because again, like Semi Ojale isn't obviously like a guy you're going to worry about doing anything offensively, really. Um, as long as Jabari, like you know, literally doesn't fall asleep uh, against him and let him just shoot wide open shots that you know he can make some threes at, at times. Um, he's a terrible offensive player, so. Um, so that that might be a wrinkle. Again, I don't think Jabari would start necessarily in that scenario, but um, but it would be interesting if uh, if they did go small instead of you know just starting Zeller. But again, I think it's more likely that they'll start a center. Maybe maybe it is Thon in that scenario. But honestly, like anything, nothing would surprise me at this point, given um, you know just sort of like where we are in the series. And uh, you know, we've talked about how I don't know how many more adjustments there are to be made. I think probably every team has shown probably every variant of lineup at this point um especially given the bucks played so many random dudes at the beginning of the series yep. um 
But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, you know, obviously Stevens, you expect to do the same thing he did last game. But it'll be interesting to see if, if Prunty actually does make a change to the starting five, especially given um, Zeller as much as, you know, I liked Zeller during the regular season. Um, he hasn't really been able to make much of an impact in the, in the playoffs. And um, obviously Thon at home has uh, been something of a revelation. The interesting thing to me is... I just think about combining the two topics you just brought up. So Giannis ends up turning into John Wall in game five as he's just getting potential assists all over the place, not trusting his jumper, like not wanting to take those bad shots. And again, like he had 20 potential assists in that game. Um, and I think, Dean had tweeted out that typically this year Bucks have the Bucks have cashed in Giannis potential assists at like a fifty two percent rate. So nine is a little bit below average. And you know, if a couple of those threes go in, maybe you can survive with Giannis putting up a sixteen 16 point ten rebound, eleven or twelve assists night. Like maybe that works, but if you if you wanna get that super aggressive Giannis, that super attacking Giannis, like the tough part is that Tony Snell didn't play particularly good, but if you move Zeller out and say, screw it, bombs away, man, that that's one way to set the tone for Giannis in that game, right? Like if you put uh, earlier in this earlier in this series, that was one of the sets that they were running, right? Like that's how they closed uh that the game that game one that went to overtime was on one side you had Bledsoe and Snell on the right side and on the left side you had Middleton and Brogdon and you gave Giannis the ball in the middle of the floor and you said stop it Celtics and the Bucks ran one play for the final eight minutes of the game one half court set and I don't even know if you want to call it a set but it's essentially Giannis go one-on-one with four shooters around you running concurrent action on both sides of the floor stop it Celtics and that's going to lead to a lot of Giannis shot attempts that's going to lead to the Celtics having to make a very serious choice of okay, we are going to continue to put the wall up in front of Giannis and try to stop him, or they'd have to make the decision that we can't let any of these others get going. Uh, So, okay, Giannis, I I guess you're going to have to beat Horford one-on-one, but, man, wouldn't that just be fascinating? Like, smoking Joe Prunty, right? Like, that would be be the move if you want to go out guns a-blazing, Make sure that you get to coach another another game. Like that, just, to me, that just that sets the tone for that game, right? Like this is game six. We're not going to hold anything back. We're down three two, and we know that we need to get Giannis going and we need to get Giannis aggressive. So let's give him as much space as possible on the floor. And I mean, from a matchup perspective, those four guys, those four non Giannis guys. Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton, Snell, those four guys have covered Rogier, Brown, and Tatum. And I don't think you're at all concerned about Semi Ojale as an offensive player. We've been through that in this series already, that he's just not. Um, so I don't think you have any problems offensively. I, I just, to me, that that seems like the the most obvious counter. And again, if that means at the first 
time out three minutes in four minutes in brad stevens goes to a nor like a, a more normal lineup or brings in a second big cool sounds good we're gonna keep running this down your throat and seeing if you can stop it like i just to me that feels like okay all our cards are on the table this is my best possible five-man unit and when you look at kind of even with the way that thon produced at home in the way that javari produced at home as well like i I think you'd have to say that's your your best five guys and obviously you can't play that way for the entire night but i just feel like starting that group sends a message yeah and again it's uh that's a a a message that i i mean we haven't seen the bucks no nope. ever ever send nope. at, from the from the starting from a starting standpoint so um it's never too late to uh you know get nuts get a little freaky um <laughs> and uh i i and i will say by the way by the way that wouldn't wouldn't that be the greatest joe prenti quote of all time if he came in if the bucks <laughs> see if he starts Giannis and he, they win the game and he goes into the postgame presser and you know it's like joe you you, you know eric name espn wisconsin uh, just they wanted to know what you're kind of thinking of uh, was starting starting out. I think he goes, well, we uh, we wanted to get freaky, uh, <laughs> want to come out and set the right tone and get freaky. Um, that would be a great Joe Prenti quote. So um, I know he's, uh, I'm sure he's an avid Lockdown Bucks listener. I'm sure that's where he gets all his uh, his great the great ideas that Joe Prenti has all clearly come from from us. Um, so yeah, anyway, free was, free uh, free advice there, Joe Prenti. I was gonna say on top of that, even if you don't want to get that freaky and you instead want to start Thon, I just think that, again, you should be setting the same message. Like, Thon, don't go inside the three-point line. We don't want you there. And even if that means... Because the Celtics made it clear in Game 5, Thon's not going to get off an open three, right? Like, they're going to contest that hard, sprint out at him, and make him put it on the the ground or, or do something. Okay. Even if that means... Semi Ojale respects him that much more. Al Horford is on Thon, whatever it may be. Even if that's the case, if Thon's outside the three point line and he's spacing the floor, I, th- I feel like that's enough. Like I, I just think it's so important to get Giannis in the mood where we I, we didn't get to talk to Giannis or Chris today. We we just got Delhi and Joe Prunty, which. I was dying to talk to both of them. Um, so, wait, but, what did what did Delhi had one quote I saw that that amused me? What, oh, what was it? Keep uh, talking, I'll, I'll find it. It's the one about how in a series you're going to get each other on each other's nerves <laughs> yeah. at some point, and yeah. even if you're playing board games with your family, you play the same people so often that at some point you're going to get angry. Chippy. Yeah, like. <laughs> Delhi getting chippy playing Settlers of Catan. I'm not in on that. I, him and Joe Harris must have some battles uh, because yeah. I'm, I'm not interested, uh, Delhi. So I will never do that. But one thing that I've been fascinated with is Giannis made the right play. I've pretty much, I, I think you'd be diff, you'd struggle to find a time in Game Five where he didn't make the right play. Like if you in a vacuum look at it. Okay, help defenders were there. He drove this way, saw that his open guy was there, made the right pass, open look for whoever, whether that was Tony Snell, Delhi, Brogdon, whoever it may be. He made the right pass. That was the right play. But what I'm fascinated with is the right play changes. 
the right play isn't always the right play. And what I mean by that is if the Celtics want you to be a playmaker and a distributor and you continue to be a playmaker and distributor, you're not the attacking, aggressive force of nature that they're scared of. You're the thing that they want you to be. So every once in a while... I, I'm I'm all about making the right play, and obviously I, I'm a guy that who's who's kind of defended LeBron throughout his career, especially early in his career when he would make the right pass to guys late at games. Like that, I'm all for that. I'm all for playing basketball right, and even in those moments, if it, if that happens in Game Six, like I want the ball in Yas's hands because I know he's going to make the right play, and that's what we've said the entire year. We want the ball in Yas's hands in clutch situations because we know. He's going to make the right play. But every once in a while, that that freak of nature, like that that aggressive, impossible to contain offensive force has to come out. Like it, it just can't like ten field goal attempts just is not acceptable. And I know we kind of had this conversation last night about how a lot of people want to say Joe Pronti wasn't getting the ball enough. His teammates weren't getting the ball enough. Like he had the ball enough. He just decided that he wanted to be a playmaker. And again, right plays are made, but he also needs to realize that that's what the Celtics want. And you have to buck what they want at times. Uh, so I, I just think, man, going small early or at least giving him Thon on the floor early, that just gives him that space. And I mean, I think could help get that, that attacking Giannis out early. And if you can set that tone early, maybe that continues for the rest of the game. Yeah, and um, again, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the crowd. I mean, I'm I'm obviously not going to be there um, at this point. I uh, it's best I stay away um, and <laughs> and let the crowds do what they're doing. If I if I showed up for Game Six, it would be an automatic loss at this point. Um, so I'm, I'm thankfully not jinxing them. So, uh, we'll see. Um, by the way, did, did you find, how would you compare games three and four? Because it seemed like the crowd to start game three and as they made their kind of initial, like big run was incredible, but obviously like the game wasn't close, um, versus game four, which, uh, you know, had similar like craziness and then, um, got really close at the end. So the crowd had to be kind of engaged in a different way. Was there one game that was like kind of louder, crazier? I mean, obviously, just sort of the, the game three maybe felt more like that, just because it was the first of the two games. But I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that? Were the crowds pretty much the same, or how would you feel after the game? Talking to my good friend Charlie G and Charles Gardner is writing for the Boston Globe for this series, which is just fantastic. And like just me getting to see Charles makes me smile because I love Charlie G. So, um, after the game, he, he had said something about the crowd, not being as loud in game four to maybe Malcolm Brogdon. And Malcolm's like, no, I wouldn't say that. Like I, I thought it was about the same. And obviously any player is going to say that. And then that made me think about like, was it quieter? Like, I'm not really sure. And, as I thought about it, I thought the loudest moment of the entire weekend was the deli finger roll. And like, yeah. I, like it wasn't close. Like that was undoubtedly the absolute loudest 
moment because you just like it there was no nervous energy quite yet if that makes any sense like because by the time you get to the end of the game and you see Brogdon throw up that floater and you're like, uh, that's not gonna, that's not a good play. This is going terribly. And then Giannis tips it in. Like there's there's a sense of relief to that. Well, with that Delhi, like you're they were putting it on him, and then all of a sudden Delhi comes in, jumps in, throws a finger roll up, and it was just like, whoa, that was that was crazy. Um, so I don't know. I, I want to say game three was louder. I would, I think that would be, that would be my synopsis of the two crowds. But man, that's, I just really struggled to, to say that because uh, like so many of those moments kind of, they, they all kind of blend together, but man, that Delhi eruption was just so loud in game four. And I just thought everyone was so into it and the Bucks were going on a run and it really felt like the crowd could affect it. So I think overall game three was louder. Game four, Delhi finger roll has the loudest moment on lock thus far in the playoffs. The You know what it kind of reminded me of? Um, and I, I mean, I can't remember watching it live, but more just like uh, going back and reliving parts of... Um, I, th- I guess it was, was it the uh, series against the then New Orleans, I guess there were then the New Orleans Hornets um, mm-hmm. with with the 2001 Bucks where they, uh, gl- Big Dog hit that like buzzer yeah. beating three in like, I don't know, was the third quarter or something like that. And that was like kind of like a big punctuating shot um, in that series that kind of, I don't know, I just like, always think of that um, mm-hmm. as like this huge sort of seminal play in uh, in that series um, and and obviously that like shot wise it's a very different shot um, than uh, than than what Delhi hit um, but and I, am I remembering that correct I'm I'm not screwing that up I'm, I, I know think that you, were, you were even younger than I was no I then. think it was I, third quarter sounds right I'm not a hundred percent on it but it does sound right it and it was against the the the, the Hornets right back then I, I thought right because that was yeah. the for the yeah um, so anyway um, yeah it was pretty electric and it was just such a bizarre unexpected you know because that's the thing right like <laughs> yeah, it, it was just so it was just, crazy it was just so unexpected right um, <laughs> so anyway but uh, but yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it and again um, I may may have a little bit of delayed gratification if I have to watch it on DVR but. Um, you know, I just it would just be great if the Bucks can deliver three home wins, right? I mean, that would just be uh, so you would just feel a lot better about this team if they can kind of again hold hold serve uh, and and force the Celtics to have to go back home to win it in, in seven. And um, again, it's man, it's tough to win on the road in the playoffs, regardless of the opponent. And uh, I, I, after last night's game, I mean, I said like you know because they weren't playing from the front, I kind of resigned to a, a loss for most of it um but afterwards i just couldn't help but think man you know i i really want Giannis to win a series sooner rather than later i yep. i don't want that kind of monkey on his back any longer than than needed and from a- i mean i mean this is just such a this this assuming they lose this will be such a frustrating series to lose you know yep. i mean they had two road games game one and game five that they very very easily could have wins slash should have won 
Um, and uh, again, they you know maybe got a little bit lucky that they didn't blow game four, but you know they were in control for most of that game. So yeah, just just really frustrating if if they can't you know pull out this series. Um, and obviously the odds are certainly against them at this point. Just to think that uh, that you know you I mean you know again like. It, 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 winning any series in the playoffs, as the Milwaukee Bucks know all too well, is uh, <laughs> is extremely difficult. So, um, so yeah, it's just I'm I'm already like almost like uh, like ruining missed opportunities, and um, obviously the series isn't over yet. But uh, hopefully the Bucks will live to fight another day beyond Thursday. So it was Game Seven, two thousand one. Uh, that'll be Eastern Conference semis against the Hornets. Uh, Glenn Robinson gets a pass on the right wing from Sam Cassell. Uh, Bucks up 70-64. Takes a little crossover dribble into the middle. Runner off his left foot uh, for 3-73-64 going into the fourth quarter of the deciding game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Semifinals, excuse me, for Big Dog. So that you were not misremembering it, or I guess we were not misremembering it. I'm going to take credit for your memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess what, with the with the Giannis thing, as I think through it, like I said, I I kind of have this belief that I don't know if a road team is good enough to win in this series, and like. It, as I think about it, we've talked about the narrative behind all of this stuff, right? Like before the series talked about, or before the series started, you had mentioned like how perfect would it be if somehow Brandon Jennings was active and somehow the Bucks were up a bunch in Game Six and and he hit a three uh, to seal it and give the Bucks uh, their series win in six. And like as I thought about, it, I was like, yeah, that that would be incredible. But now as I think about it. Bucks down 3-2. There's a game where I don't I don't know if this is people are questioning whether or not Giannis has it. Like does he have the gene to take over? Like I saw a segment on the jump today uh with Tracy McGrady where he was just like, "Yeah, I'm just so disappointed that he doesn't have the mindset to take over one of these games. Like he has the talent, but he doesn't have the mindset to take over a game and he's too passive and all this stuff." And in my head now, it's just like, man, what what happens if the Bucks kind of set this up for him to take over Game Six, have a huge Game Six by, for the first time ever, spacing the floor correctly um, from the start of a game, let him get going, and then I mean, there's not many places more iconic to have a Game Seven clincher than the Boston Garden, even if it is the New Garden. Um, it doesn't get more doesn't get more iconic than that like maybe madison square garden um but beyond that like that is just a a total crazy narrative so um we've been through quite a ride on this series already uh as we've seen i mean the the most desperate times with the bucks down to nothing we've seen hopeful times with the bucks answering with two at home uh now the bucks have their backs back up against the wall as we head into game six and i don't know it'll just to me it's gonna be fascinating to see where this all goes um but yeah a a playoff series win for Giannis, like you just need one of those because pretty soon it turns into a thing right like yeah at some at some point it's well he can't win a playoff series and that's not necessarily fair we all know the the circumstances that go into it but 
at some point you can't stop a narrative that starts rolling. So um, I think this game six is going to be interesting to watch, fun to watch. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about Joe Prunty's comments today about officials, uh, unless you have something else before we get out of here. No, let's get out of here. But let's talk about Joe Prunty and, and get spicy Joe Prunty, getting, <laughs> getting a little spicy. Uh, so we got to talk to Joe Prunty and Matthew Delvedova today. Um, Joe Prunty uh, had had a long media session, and then I got to ask him about the the last two-minute report. Um, and I didn't do a very good job. It was uh, I asked a poor question. Um, but still, it let Joe Prunty start going on the last two minute report. And this is a pretty long response, which if you listen to Joe Prunty shouldn't shock you. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in there that I I think is interesting. So, um, here he goes. We've talked about the last two minute report last night. We talked about it on the post game. My comment was it's a shot clock violation. The first comment, this is from the officials was we can't review it. I didn't I didn't say can we review it? I said it's a shot clock violation. Whatever we need to do, can we do that? They didn't call it, so it was it wasn't a shot clock violation. For me, talking about the game, you gotta play the game, you have to stay focused. We wanted to get a stop. That is a huge stop to get in game five of a playoff series where both teams are putting everything on the line. That's a tough time to have a missed call. I know for me, I had a great view of it, so what I thought was a shot clock shot clock violation was not called. So is there a level of frustration? Yes. But game four, I can't even remember what the call was. Chris, they said, oh, we missed this call in game four. We missed this call in game one. There have been multiple calls, and we go back to the two-minute report. If I'm worried about anything, I'm just looking at numbers here, the analytics stuff. We've been called for 30 more fouls, and they've shot 30 more free throws. That's what I want to get right. We can't go back. Actually, does... Can anybody do that? Anybody go back in time? This is where he asked us if we had a time machine. Um, we all re- responded that we didn't. Um, spicy. Then he said, "Spicy." Um, then he said, "It is what it is. We are where we are now. We're down three two. Got to come out and be ready to play. Be focused. Attack. Attack. Be aggressive and control what we can control. And when the moment comes and we're trying to fight for something, if I say it's a shot clock violation, maybe confer with each other. Not, hey, I can't review it. I didn't ask for a review. And that's the end of his answer. <laughs> so, uh, again, like you said, spicy Joe Prunty. Um, and I, again, I thought it was interesting. I don't know how much traction uh, Joe Prunty comments in Milwaukee <laughs> will get. Like, it's not going to be a lot. Um, this is something, obviously, I would have suggested post-game hitting on. Um, that might get you a fine. But I think if you bring this fire post-game and make a larger deal of it, I mean, that's th- that's the game we play, right? Like, in in the media, coaches, players, everyone knows that this is the game you play. It may or may not have an effect on any officials. Some officials may be more affected by it than others, but if you put it into the public's perception, I think that can play a role. Um, and I guess I was just kind of surprised to see it today and not when he was on the podium last night where it could have been made a bigger deal. Yeah, well, you know, hey, Joe Prunty, uh, you know, he hasn't been making millions of dollars as a coach all these years. So, you know, you got you to gotta be uh, more mindful of your wallet if you're Joe Prunty <laughs> than if you're, you know, somebody making $8 million a year as a coach. So um, shout out to Joe Prenti, though, for getting spicy. He brought you know, it. Back, he brought back it. up against the wall. Uh, he, he did, you know, 
You're not pulling punches. We appreciate it. Um, Don't put the pronter uh, in a corner. He'll, he'll, no, he'll swing nobody back. back. Nobody puts Prunty in the corner. Um, <laughs> so anyway, all right. I'm good. Let's play some. Let's watch some basketball. Let's let's watch some basketball Thursday night, and then let's let's watch some more basketball this weekend. How about it? Hey, I'd be into that. All right. Uh, we'll podcast after the game. Frank will get caught up, and then we'll do that. But that'll work out perfectly because I'll be doing post game stuff anyways. So we will talk to you. After Game 6, for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.